0: Last night, or actually yesterday afternoon, the, the lyrics of a song that we, we sing here came to mind that I thought could be the theme of this whole service, Super Communion. I want to read it with you. When Isaac Watts wrote that, it's kind of old, 1700s, he wrote that, and we still sing it. So you can say this to yourself silently. And I just want to make it really personal. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. There, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love, so amazing. So divine demands my soul, my life, my all. Let me just bow in the word of prayer. Father, I echo my amens to Seth's prayer that things would go well. And I pray that nothing would be said that would dishonor your name. And that our thoughts would be on your sacrifice today for this, just this little time, the seminal event in history. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray, amen. I'd like to start at the end. The last thing Jesus said on the cross was what? Three words, it is finished. And almost simultaneously, he also said, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. He bowed his head and dismissed his spirit, which tells us he was not killed. He offered himself up, didn't die from the wounds. And there's so many things about his journey to the cross, I, I think it I was thinking it began in like Luke 9 when he set his face as a flint. He said, my hour has come. And he set his face as a flint or steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. He knew exactly what was going to happen. But really, his journey began in eternity past. Because... This is the plan of God the Father. It so clearly states in Ephesians as a plan toward the summing up of all things in Christ. Key to the entire Bible, I think. Ephesians 1.10 That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together all things in Christ. Things in heaven and things in earth. That's the day we look forward to. And there's so many things about that that uh, I think I, I thought about this. How did Jesus stand it to know in eternity past what was ahead of him? And more importantly, I'm going to talk just a little bit about later, about his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, one of the things he said there, let this cup of wrath, passed by me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But in reality, it began in eternity past. How did he stand it? And I think the answer has to be love. The love that the Father, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had for each other. It's, It's indescribable. And it had to be that love that smothered this and embraced it, really. It's just, it's just amazing to me, how, how, and it convicts me of how he did that. And there's a lot of things during the Passion Week that we could talk about. You know, he entered into Palm Sunday on a borrowed donkey. And they said, Hosanna, welcome the King." I don't think he was smiling. But there was a crowd there to welcome him. And then probably one of the most important parts of Passion Week was the setting up of the Passover. Thursday came and they make preparation for the Passover. And the disciples said to Jesus, "Where will that where do you want us to prepare the Passover?" Remember what he said? He said, Peter and John, go into the city and there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. And he shall show you, you'll ask him, the teacher desires to have the Passover and he will show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. A man bearing a pitcher of water. Why would that be so The crowds were there for Passover. Well, from what I'm told is that men didn't do that. Probably should have, but they weren't used to that. Carrying a pitcher of water. And it happened, just as he said. And then they prepared the Passover. Ever seen a picture of the table set for Passover? We've had it here. It's elaborate. I mean, it's just amazing. And everything has its meaning. And now we have Jews for Jesus that come and present that to us. So everything speaks to Christ. It does. And during that meal, remember what Jesus did? He got up, grabbed a towel and a wash basin and what did he do? He took the lowliest place that anyone could have in in that, that culture. Is to wash somebody else's feet, and he went around and I guess he was coming close to Peter. Peter says, "Not me. You'll never wash." Think how how bold he. Was. You'll you Creator of the universe, my my savior. You'll never wash my feet. What did Jesus say? If I don't. You don't even have any part of me. Peter said, Don't wash all of me, not just my feet. But he, he did that. And something else happened that day, that, during that meal. Judas was exposed. He said, One of you will betray me. And they all asked, Is it Me? Is it me? all of us have that heart, and he said it's the person to whom I give this bread that's filled with wine. He dipped the bread and wine and he gave it to Judas and the and the Bible reveals that Satan think of this entered into Judas, and he got up and he went out and three of the saddest words in all the Bible to me. He went out and the three words are and it was night. There's no light in Judas's life or what he did. And of course we know that during the Passover that Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper, the, the meal that we're going to share and we do share here every week. And He took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and he passed it to all of them and said, eat of it, all of you. This is my body, which is given or broken, one translation says, given for you or is just for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the supper, He took the third cup of four for the Passover and he put it in front of him and he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is a New Testament in my blood. This symbolizes the blood that I will shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come we can't do it too often I often think well I confess that my heart is not even though my prayer the spirit is willing willing, but the flesh is weak to focus on on that that um, what was it blessed Lord a thee to give thy son Mm. it's amazing and when I thought about the bread, I thought about the words of an old hymn Jehovah lifted up his rod. O oh Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast forsaken of thy God. No distance now for me. Thy blood beneath that rod has flowed, it, it cleanses me. The cup, it was a cup of wrath for him. I often think as we take communion, suggestion, think how sweet it is in my mouth. It's grape juice. Could be wine. Fruit of the vine. Sweet to me. But it was bitter to Jesus. Death and the curse were in our cup. My cup. O oh Christ was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop, which is empty now for me. Thy blood is shed, and it's shed for me. And during that time, Jesus had a little discourse with his disciples, a little sermonette, preachment, but it would, oh, I shouldn't even characterize it as those. Uh, and he gave them the new commandment. He said, Love one another as I have loved you. What a challenge to us. And he said, you'll all fall away. You'll all forsake me. And they did and fled. And Peter said, not me. I'll never forsake you. I'll die for you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows tonight, you will deny me three times. And it happened, didn't it? First time he denied him. No, I'm not. The little girl said, you're one of his disciples. No, not me. I'm not one. Think of this. In the court with Jesus there. Second time, Same thing. But the most remarkable is the third time. The third time, it says that he denied Jesus with oaths and curses. Just don't even let your mind go there. What could he have said? Well, in fact, one version says he he brought down curses on himself. What's that sound like? I thought about that and I said, it's him damning himself. If I'm one of his disciples, may I be cursed. May, may, may it be me that's bound for the cross. By the way, he did go to the cross. Secular writings have it that he was crucified upside down. But it wasn't a curse then. It was just the transition into heaven. Now, I... What a moving part that is! And then, they sang a new song before they went out to the garden, and the song they must have sang was the ones that they sang at Passover. It's called the Hallel, and it's it's Psalm all Psalms all the Psalms from 113 to 118. And I was just looking at, at just just a piece of them, Psalm 113. This is what they sang. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 114. It's about Israel going out. When Israel went out from the Lord, the house of Jacob, from the people of the strain language. Praise him. 115. We have a song like this, don't we? Not to us, O Lord but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. And it ends with, but I, we will bless the Lord from this time forth. Psalm 116, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my plea. This is what they were singing at the Passover. Because he's inclined his ear to me. It ends with, I will pay my vows to the Lord, and in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst I will praise the Lord. Psalm 117, the shortest chapter in the Bible, 17 Hebrew words. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his steadfast love that's the only place I think it says that great is his steadfast love because it's, it's about the efficacy of it. It's, it works. It's an effective love. Steadfast love, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever and it ends The Lord has disciplined me, but I praise him. The last verse, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And they sang that. It didn't have to have a chorus. It was, each one was the chorus. And then they went out to the, he said, Jesus said, it's time to go. And he went out, they did, to the garden. It's a garden that Jesus frequented when he went out to pray, alone. And this is one of the most moving parts of his journey to the cross, for me. Because you remember what happened, he took his disciples and he says you stay here and he took James and John and, and Peter and he went a little further then he says you stay here and you pray watch that you enter not into temptation and he went a little for, farther forward remember and he fell on his face he knelt down before God his heavenly father and he said father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will be thine be done when he came back and they were sleeping he went away and prayed some more came back could you not watch one hour I'm convicted by that watching one hour a day Mm. Danny Crosby said yes Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. As I kneel in prayer and with you, my God, I commune as friend with friend. What was that? And then he, I think it's the Luke passage tells us that he, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling down the ground. I Actually, I understand from a physical point of view, medical point of view, can happen and... And does when the grief is so utterly impossible to bear. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Why now did Jesus have that deep feeling of grief? Why now? And I think it was because he, being verily God, put aside his omniscience about what that hour was going to be like and he marched to the cross and now he knelt down and said if there's any way father let this cup pass from me I think he that, that he looked into the into the fires of hell the furnace where the worm dieth not fire is not quenched the blackness of darkness forever And he knew on the cross that that was gonna be his plight. I think about that often when I think, what did Jesus suffer for me? I don't wanna go to hell. Can you imagine what that's like all alone, darkness, blackness? Fire that never consumes your soul. It just stays there and gets more bitter as time goes by. I can't imagine such a... Th- I don't want... I really don't want that for anybody. Lord Spurgeon used to say, save the elect and then elect some more. Elect them all. I think that's what happened. He saw that the first time. Now I want to ask you something. The physical pain, spit on him, beat him, put the crown of thorns on his head, mocked him, reviled him, and they paraded a crowd by because that's what they did when they crucified somebody. The whole town came out and and ridiculed this person, scum of the earth and worse. But I want to ask you something. Which do you think hurt more, the heart of Jesus? The scourging and the and the reviling of the of the people, or Peter's denial with those and curses. When he did that, Jesus just looked at him, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's I think what happened. I think Jesus could. And this is another part of this that I think strikes me. I think Jesus could think about the temporary nature of his physical sufferings. They were going to end in death. But I don't think there were three hours of darkness. Make a couple of comments about that. And that's, I think, the time when God put on Jesus the sins of all of his people. My sins. He bore in his own body on the tree. And I think that he had a notion about how long the physical was going to, but he had no notion, notwithstanding the fact that he was God, as to how long that, that darkness, that when God forsook him, is going to last. Well, it lasted for the equivalent of eternity for each one of us that he died for. My eternity in hell was served by Jesus. He didn't know how long it was going to be. There are seven things that Jesus, with this will, there are seven things that Jesus said on the cross. Do you remember that when he was hanging there? The first one, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do; he said the truth. They had no idea that they were heaping damnation on themselves and After the earthquake and the, moment and the hours of silence, you know one of the soldiers say "Sure and, and, and other people too, surely this was the Son of God. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do from the cross. I was thinking about the seven things. There's only two that relate to himself and everything else is others. His whole life was others. Others. Good pattern for your life and mine. Others. And then the thief on the cross, he said that, that exchange. Remember the exchange they had? The two thieves, one on one side of him and one there, the other, were casting the same vile things in his face. And then a little while later, One thief said to the other thief, so he talked around Jesus in the center, and he said to him, you know, you and I are here because we deserve it, but this man has done nothing amiss, nothing wrong. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, what a word that resonated with Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said what? Okay, I'll think about it. No, he didn't. He gave him more than he asked for. He didn't wait for the kingdom yet to come. He said, Today wilt thou be with me in paradise. Now, I don't know where paradise is, but I know one thing about it. Jesus is there and was there. Today wilt thou be with me in paradise. Now I want you to ask something and think about this. What ministry did that thief have after he got saved? What works did he do to get saved? He'd been a malfactor and probably a murderer, sedition. And the answer is he didn't do anything, but he did have a ministry. And I believe that he worshiped Jesus, his Lord, for as long as he had a breath, and he did one other thing. He witnessed to the other thief. We're receiving our due reward. And the thief heard him say, Lord, remember me. So even the thief on the cross had a ministry. Short as it was. Then the three hours, actually, he told... His mother was sitting there and John was there. He must have been the only disciple left, but it's the one that leaned on his bosom. And he said to his mother, behold, your son. And to John, he said, behold, your mother. And from that moment, that hour, it says, John took Jesus' mother home with him and took care of her. I expected, suspected Joseph had died. and John was the next. Then the three hours of darkness when God the Father laid our sins on Jesus. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we should live for righteousness. Died a sin. And at the end he said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me? He quoted Psalm 22, the psalm of the cross. And if you read that psalm, in fact, we're going to you know, later on, think about the, the words of that psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? I don't stop roaring, roaring in the days and in the night I'm not silent. That couldn't have been David. It was David speaking prophetically about the Savior to come, the real David. And that darkness—oh, there's lots of theories about it. I—I—I I, I, I almost can't. Oh well, that's too strong. I—I I don't like reading about. Oh, it was a—it was a solar eclipse, and there was one in A.D. 29. That it must have been. Solar solar eclipses last, what? I don't know, not very long. This was three hours. And I believe that the Occam's razor of spirituality applies. Think of the simplest thing, not simple. God, the father, shut the lights of heaven off. And it was pitch black, why? I believe it was so no one could see what Jesus ultimately went through when God placed his sins, our sins on his body. That's what happened. He told the son, let there be light. And now he said, let there be darkness. Okay, all the science about we'd all freeze to death. God can handle that. Amos speaks of it happening in in the future. Then the next thing he said is, I thirst. That's the one thing he said about himself. And the white God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But they gave him vinegar in a a sponge and gave it to drink and he drank it, but it didn't taste good, I'm sure. Wet his lips. And then he said, it is finished. And Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he bowed his head and dismissed his spirit. After death, do you remember what happened? This is kind of looking to the future, but the, the, it says the veil was rent in the temple. The holiest of holies where nobody could go except the high priest once a year. That veil thick, as I understand it to be, that was impossible for the world's strongest man to rip, or all of them together, to rip apart. And the veil of the temple was rent, not from the bottom, but from the top. You know what that's the sign of? Now we have the privilege of going inside that veil 24-7 whenever we want Father thank you that the veil is rent we're now believer priests we can go there anytime we want the last thing that I want to just mention is that you remember after While they wanted to make sure they were dead so they could take the body down before Friday came along. So they went to two thieves and they broke their legs. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and King James forthwith poured there out out of that pierced side flowed blood and water blood to expiate and water to cleanse that was the last act of violence and meanness but when we get to heaven we're going to see his thorn, his crowned brow, his, his hands that are nail pierced and his side and his feet too and his side that was pierced and water, blood and water flowed out. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. I've never forgotten. It's just, the, here's what he said. He said, God the Father Took the sword of justice and buried it in the scabbard of his own son. If the men will come forward. We'll give thanks for the bread and the cup. Father, I know you would have answered. Jesus' prayer in the positive and send someone else. Couldn't possibly be. Had to be perfect. Or you would have done it some other way. But there is no other way. Under heaven. Given among men whereby we must be saved. Father, we take this bread from your loving hands. We break it. We pass it amongst our all of us. Take of it. Those who know you. Not those who don't. It's not for them, is it, Father? It's for those who know Jesus as personal Savior. And we take it. And this was your body given for us. It was beat and battered, as we read in Isaiah 53. 700 years before... Jesus was born, Isaiah, the dean of the Old Testament prophets wrote that, Father, under your inspiration. That he was bruised for our iniquities, chastised for our sins and, and made sin for us. And Father, you did lift your rod and it fell on Jesus for us. Thank you for this cup that speaks to us of your blood shed for us. That soldier had no idea that he was a part of this, this, this part of the equation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The blood of Jesus Christ, your son, Father, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for that. We take it from your loving hand. Bitter it was for you and sweet for us.